0: Welcome to Medical Minefield, the podcast where we talk about the ethical dilemmas at the heart of the health stories that matter the most. I'm Barney Kalman. And I'm Eve Simmons. And we are health journalists who spend all day asking tough questions to top experts so you don't have to.
1: This week, we're talking about the no jab, no job rule for healthcare workers.
0: As always, we'd like to know what you think. If you've got a question or have something to say, you can do so on Twitter using the hashtag MedicalMinefield. No jab, no job is something I feel we've been talking about for...
1: What's the best part of a year now, something like that.
0: Absolutely. And it's come into force, or partially. 11th of November was the deadline for care home staff to be fully vaccinated. I read a statistic last week, nearly 32,000 care home staff were completely unvaccinated up to this point. So it means that if you include also the people that have just had one jab, 56 1,000 care home staff face the sack for not being double jabbed from this point onwards. I mean, it's quite an astonishing figure. And unsurprisingly, care home bosses are warning that this could be the straw that breaks the camel's back already stretched thin. If they have any staff who they have to sack or who quit you know, what are they going to do?
1: Yes, I was reading a report that mentioned shocking vacancies at the moment in care homes of 105,000. And so if you're adding then an extra 32,000 to that, that's obviously not great. The system is already creaking at the seams. And so obviously there's lots of concern about this policy and and what the fallout is going to be.
0: But it's understandable why it's been brought in, as we have said many times on this show that being vaccinated means you are far less likely to catch COVID and therefore far less likely, despite what you may hear in certain sections of social media, to transmit the virus. It's not foolproof, but it means you are less of a risk as a a care home worker to the vulnerable people who might still catch COVID. It's about risk reduction and it's the best way to reduce the risk of people inadvertently giving COVID to the people they care for.
1: And the argument against it that I always hear is that, well, the vulnerable people have all had their vaccine and we're saying that the vaccine is effective at protecting against serious illness and death. So why do I have to have the vaccine to protect them even more so? Well, actually, people don't understand that there is quite a significant proportion of people who have um, conditions that affect the immune system or just a generally unwell, which mean the vaccine is less likely to work effectively.
0: And you're going to have more of them in care homes. Exactly. Generally, aren't you? Because as you get older, you get more conditions, your immune system is less good. You might react less well to the, the vaccines you've had, even if you haven't had a booster. So it makes sense. And yet, you know, we are in this situation where there's so many care home workers who haven't had the jab. I know that trade unions have said, they shouldn't be forced to that that we should still be trying to persuade but there's been you know a lot of information out there millions and millions and millions of us have already had a jab anyone who's nervous about being vaccinated surely they i mean you know i've had two i know people who've had four because they've been involved in trials Mm. and then I mean, it's just a vaccine.
1: Just have it. What's the big deal? Yeah. And actually, um, interestingly, this is based on a lot of studies that they've done in the US on mandatory flu vaccination among health workers that's shown that it's really useful in just kind of pushing those people who maybe are on the fence or haven't got round to it or for whatever reason aren't kind of complete passionate anti-vaxxers, but they just think that they don't need it. And now if there's a rule saying we'll actually have to have it, they'll just go and get it. Because
0: many of them might be sort of on the fence or too busy or not prioritising it, perhaps, so it might mop up some of those. But there are going to be casualties. I don't think that you can look at it any other way, you know, that people will not respond well to feeling forced. And why don't we hear from one of them, I can't understand this attitude myself but you've got someone on the line who might be able to give some insight.
1: Yes, I think although we may not agree, it's still important to hear all sides of the story. So joining me now is David. Well, we're calling him David, that is not his real name. He has decided to leave his job at uh, his care home, where he was working uh, for the best part of a year. Um, His wife also has decided to leave because they do not want to take the jab. David, would you really rather quit your job than have the Covid jab?
2: Yes, absolutely. It's a question of fundamental human rights to me. I get to to choose which, if anything, enters my body. It's not anybody else's choice, Um, besides which having had the illness and having been working in a care home with other COVID patients who are all around me day in, day out for six days a week for the whole year, my natural immunity was well demonstrated to my satisfaction and being forced to have an injection against something to which I'm already immune makes clearly no sense. On that principle, um, I stand.
0: David, you talk about human rights, but might I ask what you think about the fundamental human rights of the residents in the care home who are vulnerable to COVID, despite being vaccinated themselves, their right to be cared for by someone who isn't putting them at risk?
2: Well, you see, there's another question which you've raised there, which is very interesting, which is if the vaccination doesn't keep people secure from COVID, whereas my natural immunity clearly does, I see there's a slight, what's the word I would use, wrong-headed thinking going on there. In what way? Well, I've just explained it.
0: But it's, I mean, the vaccine's not 100% effective. We, we know that. No vaccine is. It's not um, a black and white situation. It's about reducing the risk.
2: Well, if it reduces the risk of infection, why would you worry that somebody responsible like myself with natural immunity who would naturally not go to work when I'm ill under any circumstances, you know, why would they be concerned? To me, this is a question of being misinformed rather than properly concerned.
1: David, have you ever thought along this process, oh, screw it, I'll just get the vaccine, it's a lot less headache and, um, you know, I'll keep my job and carry on doing what I was doing? Good grief, no. And, and, and why, why is that? You're so, so, it's well, interesting you're so vehemently against it.
2: Well, well uh, yes. Well, you see, the point is that in the Nuremberg Code, it quite clearly makes clear that if you, you, know, you, you can't force people to take part in medical experiments. This is a medical experiment. These are not properly tried and tested vaccines. They're being tested live on mass populations, and they're causing an enormous amount of damage. You know, the facts are quite clear. You know, there, there, are, there are plenty of examples of people. I mean, you know, for the majority of hospital infections with COVID, entrance with COVID now is higher from the vaccinated rather than the unvaccinated. There are so many areas of this which will cause one concern. And being in possession of natural immunity, I find it absolutely objectionable that the government should think that it can pressure me into taking one of these things.
1: I guess, David, some would say that as someone who's working with vulnerable people, it's your duty in a way to do whatever you can to make sure you're protecting the the people um, who you are surrounded by and who you are in charge of. What do you think about that?
2: Well, I think I've been doing quite an adequate job of that all year. All of our COVID-suffering people in the home recovered and not single one of them died from COVID. Um, during that time, I was entertaining them by playing my guitar and singing to them on one day a week. And when they were recovered and were able to go out, I was able, as the place was slowly opening up, to take them out for a cup of coffee at the top of the hill and share the view with them or feed the ducks at the local pond.
0: David, can I ask, did your parents not sadly pass away due to COVID?
2: Uh, no, they died of pneumonia from lack of treatment before it got too late.
0: But they had um, COVID. There's
2: no such... They had COVID before, before they died, yes, both of them.
0: But you don't feel that was the cause of their death?
2: Uh, the cause of their death, as I say, was the lack of there being any treatment until they were too ill to be um, revived, and in which case they were brought into hospital and then placed on end-of-life care.
1: David... Do you understand why the government have decided to do this and enforce this policy?
2: I can only assume it's under pressure from drug companies who are doing rather well out of the situation because mandating this sort of stuff is not only unethical, it's criminal. And um, they must be under some form of duress. I cannot imagine that any reasonable medical person with a degree of integrity would be um, supporting these courses of action there.
0: David it sounds like you don't sort of look towards say you know the government website for your information on on uh, vaccines and Covid (laughs) and such like tell me tell me where you look to to get to be informed because you talk about us being misinformed Uh, where have you been getting your info from?
2: Would you like a list of sources? I can supply them but that will have to be done by email.
0: Just you know the websites, is face, a Facebook, or... I, as,
2: as you very well know, I don't have a, a prepared list in front of me for that sort of conversation. I'd be very happy to email you it.
0: But you know, is it? I mean, social media is 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 a big source of information. Have you read the Nuremberg or...
2: Code? Have you read the Nuremberg Code at all? Sir? I,
0: do you know, I haven't read the Nuremberg Code, but I do ah. know that it, well, it, well, it does you, prohibit human experimentation. I, your, your
2: colleague has a copy in front of her because I emailed it. I, I message her with it today. Um, ha- have, have
0: you read it, Eve? Have you read the have new a good, code
2: Have a good have look had, that. I've had a
1: flick through. Um, <laughs> Did you have a flick through? Have, yeah, a, flick have a good look
2: at that. The, okay. the number one that talks about the duress around medical procedures should cover the argument, I think, and that's really all you need to know from me, I think. I'm prepared to stand up for this principle because a awful lot of British soldiers died to protect this. A lot of people have put their lives on the line for this. The principle of freedom of choice. Right. freedom of medical intervention now, we're talking about techniques that we but these are in licensed the medicines camps, where people excuse <laughs> me I haven't finished where people have no choice okay now you're putting people in a situation where they have no choice the choice between job or jab right now if you can't see that that violates the number one principle of the Nuremberg code and um, there's not much I can do to help you but I, for one, am determined to, state, to, to, to take a stand on this and to stand up for the principle of it. And, and damn the consequences. Too many people died for these rights. We are not going to give them up.
0: But, for instance, if you work in, a, if you work in many hospital departments, you'd have to have a hepatitis jab, for instance, and various hospital departments would
2: require... You're talking about vaccines. This is a gene right, therapy. Yeah. They're, they're rather different. Those vaccines work because they trigger the immune system to do natural things and protect you. It's a process we understand clearly. This is an untried gene therapy being tried en masse by people, frankly, I do not trust. And I don't see why my human rights to make my own responsible choices should be violated. Now, if that means that you don't want me working in your companies and so on, fine. Let's all just work in ways that don't involve your companies. And that's the way I look
0: at it. When you say gene therapies, do you mean the mRNA vaccines? <laughs> yes, precisely. But what about the non-mRNA vaccines? The AstraZeneca vaccine, that's non-mRNA. Mm-hmm. So that's not right. a gene therapy.
2: And, uh, oh, right, it's not an experimental gene therapy. It's not an experimental vaccine. Then. It's been no, it's licensed. Proper, proper proper trials.
0: And I mean, there are there are even trials. vaccines no, now, like the Valneva. <laughs> yeah. It's a standard standard antigen vaccine. Yeah. I mean, there there are non yeah. mRNA yeah, vaccines there as few. The,
2: yeah. There quite is few. also ivermectin, which the muse, which uh, which is given early in the process, forty eight hour cures are not un, not uncommon. Um, but however, which has been trashed by the media as being a horse dewormer, um, it's a, a, a medicine for which um the inventor won the Nobel Prize, um, for human use. And it's been in regular human use ever since. It's anti But that's for
0: you if you get ill. That's not a vaccine.
2: Uh, No, it's a prophylactic. You don't need a vaccine if you've got a prophylactic.
1: (laughs) David, I'm interested in why is it that you think that you've taken this stand and obviously so many hundreds of thousands of other people have just decided to go and get the jab. What is it that you think you have that's sort of different from other people in terms of information?
2: Uh, I think you'll find an awful lot of people actually really don't trust the mainstream media for their main sources of news these days, and such has been the case for quite a few years. There are many unauthorised uh, sources of information, but uh, much is available online from, say The Lancet or various different journals. and um,
1: so you, you would read websites, your you'd get your information direct you get your information directly from medical journals, do you? Yeah,
2: and I get them mm-hmm. from published papers, and um, and I get them from peer-reviewed published papers, and I check people's authenticity, credentials, websites, track records. I'm very sorry. But, the, but this is I have the luxury of doing that, but knowing, as I know, what's going on, um, and being so unprepared to go along with it, I know that, that not everyone has the luxury of being able to take that stance. but. If I can, I damn well will, and I encourage everybody else who's in a similar position to do exactly the same.
0: David, I understand your wife feels the same way about about this, that she is also yes, a carer yes, and feels we, the
2: same we've, way. This, her last day was today. We, we, we've both finished.
0: And was it with regret? You know, will the, will God, the yes. you know, people... Is you yes.
2: This the most worthwhile work I've ever done in my life compared to everything else I've done. It's the only thing I've done, let say, which has a contribution to society, and it's a it's uh, you know, such a crying shame when people have been so isolated from visitors and so on, and they look forward to you, you turning up to play them songs and cry when some old memory is triggered. Where it's an incredible loss, personally, and it's an incredible loss to the people who loved us in return that we were looking after. But you know there comes a point where you just have to take a stand this is not good enough and this is this country wasn't founded on these principles this is foreign to our nature and it's uh, uh, not what we're going to put up with as far as i'm concerned
1: david given everything that you've just said if you weren't to have had covid so you never had it and you never had any natural immunity then would you think about taking the vaccine
2: That's a different question, and um, it's the answer to a different question than the one we're really discussing, which is, should I be forced to, regardless of what I think? The answer to that has got to be no. Those circumstances would be different, and I'd have to consider all of the aspects, not not the least of In fact, I can tell you, under the current circumstances of the research I've seen, no, I wouldn't. And I certainly wouldn't allow my children to uh, to be jabbed under no circumstances.
0: And it's because you it's you don't believe that these the vaccines are vaccines. You think that they're experimental gene therapies, and that it's better to take a profile. Well, some of,
2: them, the infrared, some, some of them some of them are clearly different different shades of grey. But in in, either, in any case, I see no need, first of all, for me to take a vaccine for a, a disease to which I'm already immune. First point, and the, second, and the second is, is when they, you know, when when an awful lot of people had taken it and it turned out to be perfectly safe, um, I, you know, and I saw it, other people like myself who had such a very mild experience with, with COVID. It really wasn't a, a, a massive illness for me at all, and um, you know, I'm 66 years old. I recovered in a heartbeat.
1: Mm. Have you got any any other job plans in the near future? Is there any other um, field you want to move into?
2: No, I would like to go back to my old job and continue doing um, uh, the the excellent job that I was doing before, and uh, I'd like it to continue, and I'm sure those of the the residents that um, are capable will remember me and would love to have that happen. And as I said in my resignations, uh, you know, the moment that logic and sanity and legality return to the situation, I'd be more than happy to return to my work. And, um, you know, at the moment, the government is taking steps to ensure that that sort of choice isn't available to people, so, you know, I just have no option but to, to, to turn my back on it.
1: Mm. Well, David, I respect your, your right to your decision and um, thank you very much for Man sparing some time to speak to us today.
0: I mean, really, I can't help but think if you are in a caring role and you have those views, the two things are just going to be incompatible. You know, you're in the wrong job.
1: Well, that's one way of looking at it. I do think there's something in that. But then on the flip side, this guy especially feels he had natural immunity. He's had COVID. Why should he have to get a vaccine against something that he's already immune to?
0: And that is a fair point, isn't it? That there will be a certain degree of immunity afforded by uh, natural infection. And and I believe that certainly if you want to enter some countries, that they will look at natural infection within a certain window.
1: But then how, because each individual is so different in terms of how long their immunity will last for, we know a lot less about natural immunity and the length of natural immunity than we do vaccinations.
0: I think natural immunity... Plus vaccination is great, but either two on their own, the vaccine is is superior in terms of providing longer lasting immunity, reducing infection, uh, reducing transmission.
1: So what would you do? Say, yep, you can keep your job for six months as long as you catch after... COVID every
0: six months. Yeah,
1: I, I, <laughs> I mean, how I, I would can't that see work? A, re- a way of policing that? Really. No,
0: I mean, you'd you'd have to willingly catch COVID constantly. I mean, it puts everyone in this very difficult situation, doesn't it? And certainly the unions have come down quite heavily against this, uh, what they're calling mandatory vaccination. And I personally think that they should be getting behind it because, you know, we have mandatory vaccination in healthcare workers in many avenues. You know, you've got to have a flu jab if you work on certain kinds of wards, you've got to have hepatitis jab if you um, work in surgical theatres you know it's part of the contract you just can't do that job if you don't have that vaccination
1: but they are warning that it's not going to be worth the risk of losing hundreds of thousands of valuable healthcare workers at a time when the system just cannot afford to go without
0: Mm. well let's hear from them now
1: Joining us now is the National Officer for Health at the Union Unite, Colenzo Jarrett Thorpe. Colenzo, what's so bad about this policy of no jab, no job? We
3: don't believe that it's necessary. NHS vaccination rates in England are 93% of NHS staff have had the first dose. 89% of NHS staff in England have had the second dose, which is a really high vaccination rate. So we are getting there in terms of voluntary vaccinations. So this seems to be using a sledgehammer to crack a nut to ask there to be mandatory vaccinations when we think voluntary vaccinations are doing the job and it is not recommended by the World Health Organization.
0: Colenso, it's, it's a lower number uh, when you look at care home staff, isn't it? I think it's slightly off,
3: lower off the top of my head. But care home staff are going to be mandated to take the vaccine.
0: And do you, do you support that? Do you oppose it?
3: No, well, Unite believes in voluntary vaccinations. We don't support the mandatory vaccination for NHS staff or care home staff. We do believe there has to be other measures in place to encourage and to and, and ask people to take the vaccine. Also, we do believe that there should be preventative measures in place as well, such as social distancing, ventilation, and proper PPE for staff that actually need the PP in order to do their jobs. We want workplaces that are safe for everyone. So these are the measures we think are necessary first, as well as a ramping up of the actual encouragement of people to take the vaccination and those conversations that take place between managers and staff to ask why there is some vaccine hesitancy
0: we we've, we've talked about the hesitancy over many many months and that this plan has been in the offing for quite some time apparently 32,000 care home staff as of last week were completely unvaccinated so this gentle approach hasn't really necessarily worked do you not see the need now to perhaps you know simply draw a line in the sand and say If you work face-to-face with vulnerable people, you need to be vaccinated against COVID, just as you would if you were a surgeon, need to be vaccinated for hepatitis.
3: We don't think it's a necessary measure. You don't think surgeons should be
0: vaccinated for hepatitis?
3: We don't think it's a necessary measure for all NHS staff to have and mandatory vaccinations. So the vaccination programmes work very well. You don't think that thinking? you
0: don't think that surgeons should be vaccinated against hepatitis to avoid the, inadvertently, perhaps if they had it and didn't know it, giving it to a patient on the operating table. You you don't think that that should be written into their contracts as it is? I'm not saying that. What I'm
3: saying is that we believe in voluntary vaccination.
0: But it's not it voluntary. voluntary for, it's not voluntary for surgeons. It's not voluntary for theatre staff. You must be vaccinated for hepatitis. B, I believe it is.
3: Yeah, we're not talking um, about hepatitis B, we're talking about COVID. But
0: no, but you're saying you don't believe yeah, in mandatory in vaccination, in vaccination
3: but it A is. Mandatory vaccination to NHS staff for COVID or the flu. Actually, oh, just for COVID
0: or the flu. Okay, just COVID or the flu. Okay, yeah. yeah. or the flu. What's vaccine. different Blue about vaccine. COVID and the flu from hepatitis?
3: Well, that's our policy in terms of hepatitis. There's other vaccinations, and we're not anti vaccination, so we'd encourage staff to get vaccinated, but we don't believe in mandatory type of vaccination. There may be reasons why people cannot take the vaccination for whatever reason. So in terms of COVID vaccination, we believe firmly there should be, staff should be vaccinated. United has run a campaign that's gone out to all our members asking people to get vaccinated.
0: What would the reasons be that someone couldn't get vaccinated?
3: That, that's down to their choice and what they, what they believe. And we do believe, as I said again, people should get vaccinated. We're encouraging people to get vaccinated. We just don't believe mandatory vaccination works. And the main reason we think that lots of people will leave NHS and social care at a time when there's over 90,000 vacancies in the NHS and even more vacancies in the social care system. We don't think that's the right approach to drive some people out of those jobs when there's chronic shortages and pressures on those services already.
0: What are Unite doing to encourage people who are hesitant to be vaccinated?
3: We're asking people to vaccinate. We believe in vaccination. We think it's the right thing. It keeps everyone safe. And we We run our own campaign, Get a Jab campaign, since the summer, where we've been asking members to get vaccinated. And we've been asking members to challenge people that are saying the vaccine is wrong or there's something against the vaccine and to challenge people that are maybe saying unnecessarily that the vaccine is dangerous. So we've been going out to our membership and asking them to take the vaccine and saying that it's safe. Other members are taking it. Other people are taking it. And it's necessary as well for us to move on and get out of the grip that COVID has had on us. So we we do believe as a union that our members should be vaccinated
1: so you're talking about this um, possibility that we're going to face huge staff, well, even more staff shortages, and we're going to have hundreds and thousands of um, healthcare workers and care workers that decide to just up sticks and leave the profession because they don't want to get the jab. This was predicted to be the case when um, they introduced mandatory um, vaccinations in the New York City Police Department, um, but actually they've they've seen uh, in the couple of weeks since it's been introduced only 34 officers are out. Of of hundreds of thousands, have actually resigned and actually it's proved quite effective to push up the vaccination rate. What what do you think about that?
3: Time will have to tell what actually happens. And we don't know what's happening until April. Obviously it gives time for people to make their choices and their decisions. We know as well some people have been redeployed. So it's not just that people actually leave the actual service, people may be redeployed into other roles. We'll have to see what the effect of that is in the NHS, if people can be redeployed into our roles if they're not able to take the vaccine for whatever reasons they give but we do hope the time between now and the first of april we can persuade people to take the vaccine that's still the case and if they're not able to take the vaccine we can redeploy people into other roles people won't be you- using their jobs
1: Do you not think that it will be helpful just in the interest of kind of, as you say, cajoling people? Do you not think it will be helpful for that small, well, larger percentage actually of healthcare workers who, for whatever reason, haven't got around to it or think, oh, well, I'll leave it for another day or think, oh, I don't really need it. So I'll I'll just not get it. And then there's now, uh, you know, all of a sudden there is actually an incentive to go and get it because they they have to keep their jobs. Do you not think that it's going to be helpful in that way?
3: The government announcement will focus people's minds, undoubtedly, uh, and they've, they've made the announcement. They've obviously got to change the law in order to make the announcement good and implement the announcement. That's very clear. And I think it will focus people's minds. So what, what we want to do is also encourage people to take the vaccination so they don't feel they're press gagging into it and they think it's the right course of action. The Secretary of State himself actually said they don't want to persecute people or they don't want people to feel they're detrimented in any any way if they choose not to take the vaccine. He actually said that with his own words. So we've got to make sure we continue to persuade people. It's not just the Secretary of State saying this. It's also line managers, staff, leaders within the NHS, whatever level they're at, most leaders in the NHS and people that manage staff are uh, a uh, uh, band seven and below in the region. change things in So we've got to encourage people to have those conversations all across the NHS.
1: But we also know from studies that um, and very high quality studies that one of the most powerful things you can do to convince people to have a vaccine is show them other people, their peers, their colleagues who have had a vaccine and have found it very effective and haven't had any problems with it. And that's the most effective you know, way to convince people. And, and therefore, you know, if you're if you're mandating it, you're going to by proxy have scores more people who then go and get their vaccine and, and show that it's safe and fine.
3: Of course, yes, it appears people that are respected in the community, people that are respected in the NHS are taking the vaccine. That will be an incentive for other people to take the vaccine. The fact that most people are safe that take the vaccine, nothing happens to them. Obviously, there's an exception for people who have got medical conditions that's there. We've got to redouble our efforts to ensure that the vaccine is safe, it is effective, it does help. All we're saying from United is that people should have that choice, and we don't think mandation is the way forward. Mm.
1: Well, I guess only time will tell. Um, Colenso Jarrett Thorpe, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi. Sorry to interrupt your listening, but there's
3: another great podcast from the Mail on Sunday you might want to try. Liz Jones' Diary, The Podcast, offering a weekly look into the life of Britain's most unfiltered columnist. That's me. Find us at
1: mailplus.co.uk. So what I think is really interesting about the unions and the way that they discuss this topic is that they're very strong on this line that, you know, they're against mandatory vaccinations. They are wrong. That's not how we do things. But once you start picking it apart and asking questions about why they feel this way and why this is so important, they don't really have an answer.
0: Well, they've got to represent all of the workers that they represent. And large numbers of them don't want to feel forced into having a jab or lose their job, you know, and they're not going to be representing them. So they've they've got a delicate line to to walk in this. Mm. They can't be seen to disencourage. Uh, And and it sounded to me, you know, what Colenso was saying they were doing in order to encourage people sounded very good Mm. uh, and positive. But clearly, you know, when it comes to care home staff, if you've got tens of thousands, you know, 50,000 who still aren't, more than 50,000 who still aren't fully vaccinated. It's not working, is it?
1: No, exactly. Exactly. And and I think that the problem is it's all based on hypothetical predictions. X number of people are going to walk out, they're going to leave. And, and we actually don't know that to be true yet.
0: You know, we have talked about no jab, no job for forever since <laughs> since the start of the vaccination programme just because of the huge concerns. You know, last year we were the first newspaper, The Mail on Sunday, to really break the story of hospital COVID infections and just how many people died of COVID they caught in hospital. You know, they'd gone in for something else, to have a bunion or a knee or whatever it is fixed. And they'd caught COVID in hospital and they'd died and they'd caught it inadvertently from staff, very likely. And vaccinating the workforce just makes sense in that situation when you've got something that's so contagious as COVID.
1: We also have this big problem of lots of staff members being off sick with COVID. And of course, if everyone is vaccinated, then you're going to have far fewer fewer people
0: people who are at home. It's wrapped up in all of these misconceptions that, you know, I I was listening to a demo, you know, an anti-vaccine passport demo where the the guy speaking was saying that the government even admits that the vaccine doesn't stop transmission. And of course, there's a a grain of truth to that, because if you catch COVID and Mm. you've been vaccinated which we all know you can do then you can transmit it and some of the studies say you're just as likely to however top line yes you're just as likely to but if everyone's vaccinated you get over it very quickly you don't end up in hospital if you catch it you clear it from your body much quicker anyway and of course if you are vaccinated and you don't catch COVID you can't spread it so you've got to catch it first you can't spread COVID if you haven't caught it. And most people, once they've been vaccinated, are immune to it.
1: And aside from that, the more people that we vaccinate in a small area, um, so for instance, a hospital or a clinic or whatever, the less likely that anyone in that vicinity is gonna go home with COVID.
0: Hmm. I see these things as as clear as day, and, and it baffles me that two years into the pandemic almost, that we've still got so many misconceptions about these things. You know, I mean, it's, it's same with masks. You
1: it's know. it's also, you know, this has been the most destructive illness for the entire world of the the last how what hundred years. I
0: was astonished. I was, I, I didn't realize we'd passed five million people that died officially worldwide. Wow.
1: And yet we have this incredible medical miracle, really. You know, that's come out of pretty much nowhere in the last eighteen months and is a lifesaver for so many millions of people and yet people don't want to touch it. I know I sound
0: absolutely sure of all of this but there is a part of me that does feel nervous about Mm -hmm. mandatory type policies because it's been a terrible, you you talked about America and the police force but I think there's, there's quite a few case studies of for instance mandatory vaccination in schools backfired horribly with flu Um, and MMR you know I mean I think one of the reasons that that the anti-vax sentiments are so much stronger in America is because they try to force it on people and and, you know we have always had medical treatment by consent so this is a departure in many ways Mm. I mean the government have worded it very carefully they call it the government to introduce COVID-19 vaccination as a condition of deployment you know it's not mandatory vaccination it's a condition of deployment Mm. But we can't be sure what's going to happen. I I do have all my fingers crossed.
1: Well, um, interestingly in France they thought when they uh, mandated vaccinations for healthcare workers that there was going to be this mass walkout and I think it's something like 0.1% of um, the workers have been, they've got a slightly different system in France, it's it's Mm. harsher so you you will physically, you will lose your job Um, and only 0.1% of healthcare workers have been dismissed since it came um, into action.
0: I think David might represent the sharp end. I agree. Uh, you know, someone who can perhaps afford to leave his, his work? I mean, uh, he, he said that he was uh, in his 60s, his, his 66, so perhaps retired already and this is a, a second job.
1: I've been speaking to quite a few care workers who are um, thinking about what they're going to do and, and really do not want to be vaccinated and are considering leaving their jobs. And interestingly, um, the young people that I've spoken to are, I'm not saying that they are willing to have their vaccine necessarily, but they are, they feel as though they have no choice and they're going to have to do it. So why not just, just do do it um, and they, they just have been putting it off because they, they don't want to really. But if they have to, then they have to. I think that's going to be the majority of people.
0: Well, I hope people see sense. I hope people don't feel forced and people just think, like you say, i oh, just sod it all. I'm just going to have the jab. It's just a vaccine.
1: I think it will be something that maybe grinds people's gears for a, a couple of months and then they'll be vaccinated. They'll get on with their life and they'll forget about it. People like an easy life. <laughs>
0: Well, that's all we've got time for this week. You'll find all the latest health news in this weekend's The Mail on Sunday and visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. You can also follow us on Twitter by searching at mailplus.
1: We'll be back with another topic on Medical Minefield next week. See you then.
0: Goodbye.